The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud cast a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell prostrate and were very much afraid. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and do not be afraid. And when the disciples raised their eyes, they saw no one else but Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. We've probably all experienced a situation where we've been posed with this question. Do you prefer good news first or bad news first? So how many of you like to get your bad news first? Who are the crazy ones that want to hear the good news first? I'm a, I'm a bad news first person myself. And so let's think about that in context to this scene. This is the transfiguration, right? This is Jesus taking his three close friends, Peter, James, and John. They're going up a high mountain. They're hanging out. And all of a sudden, he shows them a piece of heaven. He shows them the goodness of heaven. He shows them what is waiting in heaven. That's the glorified reality. But just before this scene occurs, he tells the disciples as a whole that he has to go and die. He says, the Son of Man will be raised, must die and then rise and all these things. And so they got some really bad news that their friend, their teacher, the one they're spending all this time with, he's going to go and die. Like that, that was not in their plan. That's the bad news. And now Peter, James, and John, they get this awesome scene like, here's some good news. But do you know what happens right after this scene, after they go back down the mountain? He tells them again, I have to go and die. And so this moment of pure joy is sandwiched between two really difficult, challenging, albeit necessary, statements. When Jesus tells the disciples about this, he's explaining to them the necessity for the cross and self-denial, that it's really not going to be their own lives and their own wills that they have to that they, they get to stay with, but they have to actually surrender that over to the Lord and to his mission. Just like Jesus has to surrender his will over to God the Father and the mission. That doesn't mean that we forget about the joy. 
It doesn't mean that we only stay focused on the negative, but it means that all things have purpose and context. So there's another part that, that occurs just before all this, and it's Jesus asking a question to Peter. And Peter, he asked the question, who do people say that I am? And Peter declares Jesus as the Christ. He says, you're the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. And that's more reiterated to them in the transfiguration when God himself comes and says, behold, this is my son. Listen to him. They're being reminded that what Jesus is saying and doing is coming from the Father, that he is the Messiah. So there's this affirmation Peter receives. He's like, see, see, James, see, John, I told you he was the Son of God. Did you not hear that voice? I told you he was the Son of God. And still, the Son of God must die. And so it's like, wow, we are just wrapped around this sense of sadness, this sense of of difficulty. But we, again, have to understand what death is. Death, for us, is an end that leads on to something else, actually, that death is a step towards something more final. Death is really not the end-all, be-all. Death is a step towards eternity, which will be heaven or hell. And so Jesus knew exactly what he was doing by sandwiching that difficult news in the middle or on the bookends of this middle like joyful moment he's making sure that the disciples understand that his death is to unveil to them the glory of heaven that his death has purpose that it will lead to this great gift so that's that's kind of what we have to see is going on here and and you think about this too this this question kind of comes up you can't have easter sunday without good friday you, you want it. We, we want all the joy. We want all of the happiness. We want all of the goodness. But we don't like to suffer. We don't like the difficulty. And Jesus is reminding them, like, actually, when we go through the difficulty, when we experience that, it makes, it makes the joyful thing all the better, all the sweeter. So in the midst of our own lives, when we go through ups and downs, we're reminded that all the suffering actually has purpose. It has significance. And that's the glimpse Jesus shows the disciples today in the transfiguration, that this is what's waiting for you. Just remain steadfast. Remain hopeful. And that's the key there, is hope. Do we maintain hope? We also see and are reminded of the Trinitarian relationship. We're reminded of the relationship that the Father has to the Son. This is my Son. Listen to him. And that only further encapsulates the other teachings from Scripture, that God as Father has a great care for his Son. Jesus as Son has a great care for us who are his brothers and sisters. And by being Jesus' brothers and sisters, it means God is our father. And so we're all a part of this massive family. We're part of this royal line. And so there's an encouragement that we should take away today from the transfiguration that while there is sad news of, okay, he's going to die, and we're reminded of that later, this is what's waiting for us. That death really isn't so scary. Is it sad? Of course it is. Because as humans, we've grown attached to people. 
And so when those people leave and they die, there's a sadness. But it's weird. As a priest, funerals are extremely joyful for me. And that sounds kind of backwards, but it's because of the faith and the hope of what is waiting for that individual. That doesn't take away the sadness, but it's just to say the sadness should be properly experienced and we should keep in mind the proper reality that heaven is possible for us. Heaven is, is waiting for us if we choose that with the Lord. So we have a great encouragement today. Now, slightly off that topic, hopefully on the topic still, I started doing uh, a consecration to St. Joseph. How many have ever done a con... Wow, they, the baby's like that. Good. All right. How many have ever done a consecration to, to Mary? A couple? handful, maybe? How many of you knew that you could do a consecration to Mary? How many of you are like, I'm learning about this for the very first time? Who didn't want to raise their hands? Understood. Okay. So just like there's a consecration for Mary to say, like, I want, I want my life to be consecrated, to be modeled like Mary. I want the graces I received to go through her to be given to her son. There's also a consecration for Joseph. And I've been doing this, uh, I'm on day 17 right now. Um, so I'm halfway through it because normally a consecration takes 33 days. And it has been so illuminating. Joseph, he has been so illuminating uh, as far as like just the, the theology that the church has. Because when we look in the scriptures about Joseph, there's not a lot about him. He's like very few spots and it's usually early on in most of the Gospels. But there's a line in yesterday's reading that I wanted to read for us. And it was on Joseph most just. And again, justice is the virtue that deals with what is due to another. And so it says this. For St. Joseph, being a just man meant he observed the dictates of the Jewish religion. This required him to travel to Jerusalem three times a year, a long distance from Nazareth, and to participate in various rituals and ceremonies. Us on the other hand, most likely live a short distance from a Catholic church. And if we can't spend one hour a week thanking God and worshiping him, we're not living, we are not loving God or giving God his due. We are not then just people. Holy Mass is not about the priest. It's not about the people. It's not about the choir and the music. It's about returning love for love in giving God his due. Yes, priests should preach well, liturgical music should be sacred and inspiring, and it's always pleasant to see familiar faces at Mass. Yet even if we find the priest less than edifying, the music a distraction, and the congregation spiritually dead, we need to remember it's not about that. It's about us acting justly and lovingly toward God. There is no greater way to tell God, I love you, give thanks to God, and to worship him than through the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Eucharist means thanksgiving. I read that because in the Mass, we experience the transfiguration. In the consecration of the Eucharist, the elevation of the Eucharist, we actually are able to see 
the glorified body of God, who is present and alive in the Eucharist. Again, that's not a piece of bread anymore. That's not a symbol. It's not an idea or a gesture. That is Jesus, alive, transfigured before us, right? Which at one point was only reserved for Peter, James, and John. And they were told to not say anything about it. What do I tell you at the end of every Mass? Go! Go and glorify the Lord by your life. That is what is said, hopefully. I don't like the one end of Mass that says, go in peace, the Mass is ended. And people say, thanks be to God. So I'm not really sure what you're saying, thanks be to God, to. So if it's like the Mass is done, or if you're going in peace. So, all right. But this idea that we actually experience and live the transfiguration, how cool is that? That God is transformed before us and made present to us, and we who are able and are in a state of grace come forward and receive him, then have him enter into us. What? That's why, Mo, that's why Peter says, can we stay here? Because he doesn't want to go back to the realities of the world. If, mass could, if we could stay here forever in the Mass, that would be awesome. If, if we knew what we were encountering. So, I would highly suggest to, to many, if all of us, not all of us, I say all of us. I suggest to all of us, learn about St. Joseph. Learn about who he is. Learn about his life. Just like we do about Mary and other saints. But when we think about it, and we think about justice... What is due to God? What is due to the worship we give to God? Are we being just? Or do we need to work on that? Maybe we do. But my prayer for all of us is that we have the hope to see through the darkness. That we have the hope to see the light of Christ who is shining out. Who wants to impact us and encounter us and know us. I pray that we see the transfiguration today and every day when we celebrate the Mass.